When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you're trying to improve your golf game, Callaway knows you can't hit the ball further by doing the same old thing. It takes unconventional thinking to transform your game, and that's what Callaway did with the new Maverick Driver. Maverick Drivers were designed using advanced AI. Callaway's supercomputer tested and refined thousands of virtual prototypes until it created Callaway's fastest, most forgiving driver. New distance is out there. It takes a Maverick to find it. Explore Maverick Drivers at CallawayGolf.ca. Gold. For millennia, it's been a store of value. And this week, it reached a record high, passing 1900 US dollars per ounce, something that hasn't happened since 2011. But it kept going. And a lot of technical experts see all the signs that suggest we're at the start of a new bull run for gold, including a weak dollar, declining or negative interest rates, and general uncertainty that pervades almost every aspect of the economy. I'm Gabe Friedman, and this week on Down to Business, I spoke with Sean Boyd, chief executive of Agnico Eagle Mines Limited, which produces more gold in Canada than any other company. Boyd has been a loud advocate for more government investment in the Canadian Arctic, particularly in Nunavut, where the company has a series of mines. At one point, the pandemic forced Agnico to shut seven of its eight mines, but after a brief hiatus, the company is back operating at full capacity. Sean spoke to me this week, just before the company released its second quarter earnings. Thank you so much for making a little time for me today. No problem. Gold is flying right now. Overnight, we hit an all-time high, but really, it seems like gold prices in Canada for a number of months now have never been as high as they've been for such a long time. And I'm wondering what it's been like to run a company uh, during a pandemic that's kind of going gangbusters. Well, you have to sort of separate it. We were always confident that the gold price would continue to move higher. We've been saying that for the last few years. We were saying that it was very reasonable to project gold at a new high in U.S. dollars in this cycle because, as you said, it hit a new high in most other major currencies. And here we are today, uh, another new high in U.S. dollars. So that was going to happen regardless of the pandemic. And I think what we've been saying since the pandemic is that the amount of fiscal and monetary stimulus that's been put to work to manage the economic fallout of the pandemic is extraordinary, unprecedented, massive, whatever term you want to use. That's what's happened. And we still have uncertainty with respect to the virus and its impact on the economy. So what that's really done is taken the dynamics around gold, which were already strong given high debt levels, weak economic growth. Here we now have dramatically higher debt levels and negative growth. And that's what's fueling the move to gold. And so, again, not surprising to us. The pandemic, separate issue, focused on your employees, their safety, the communities, and ensuring that as you work through that, and in our case, we had seven of eight mines down, we also had to focus on ensuring that we had the assets properly positioned to ramp up for the second half, which we always expected it to be strong. So that's how we separated them. Uh, They're connected in a way. You have to sort of put the gold price aside, manage business aspects, which we've done successfully in the second quarter. 
And now we're able to take advantage of it because we've got growing production in the second half, declining costs in the second half, and a much higher gold price. And as you said, a much higher gold price in Canadian dollars where the vast majority of our production comes from. Right. I want to talk to you about what the high price of gold will mean for your business. But just to think about what the high price gold means more generally a second, you often hear gold analysts talk about gold as a barometer for uncertainty in the world. What do you think the high price of gold means? What does it tell us about the world that we're living in right now? Well, I think it speaks to the uncertainty, as we've talked about, and gold tends to do well when the world's in uncertain times. But that's only part of it. I think it's the gold as money, gold as a store of value, gold as a portfolio diversifier, the expectations that when you put this much money to work and print this much money over a very short period of time, it could be inflationary down the road. So people are trying to understand you know, how that could play out. And gold has proven time and time again that it works in these types of environments. And here we are, we're seeing it. And it was funny how in March, uh, gold went down, I think got into the sort of 1450 range. Everybody was you know, not happy because they said gold isn't working. And our argument to that was, well, look at 2008, 2009, gold did exactly the same thing. When the uncertainty starts, people look to gold initially for liquidity. And that's exactly what happened this time, went to 1450-ish. And now here we are, 1950-ish, in a few months, because people are then realizing that there is uncertainty, there is rising debt levels, there is no economic growth. In fact, economic contraction, perfect environment for gold. Yeah. And you've been in this industry for a number of decades, right? Started off as an accountant at Nico Eagle. Now you're the CEO of the company which produces more gold in Canada than anyone else about 2 million ounces, give or take. Already, I mean, 1450 to 1950, that's $500 per ounce. It's a lot of money when you start to multiply it and add it up. Do you think we're about to see that this rise will seed the next generation of big gold mines? Um, it's still too early. The good thing from a price perspective is that uh, it takes a while for any supply response. So I would factor in much of a supply response for the next several years, at least from mine production. The lead time for these mines have, has only lengthened over the years. The capital to build these mines has only increased significantly in the last few years. So that's why it's a challenging business because it's hard to find high quality deposits that you can turn into meaningful parts of your business that generate long-term returns. So it's not that easy, uh, I think, which is good ultimately for the price. But certainly, I think companies uh, will be revisiting their strategy, I would think, in terms of how they advance their project pipelines. But the impact on production, it takes years uh, to have any impact. Yeah, no, certainly I, I know what you mean. These these are not easy projects by any extent. Sort of a long thought here, but gold, gold really soared above 1900 back in 2011 was the last time it did it. And afterwards, there was a bit of a hangover. All these gold companies had purchased projects or purchased companies at too high a price. And the gold industry wound up in the penalty box, so to speak, with investors kind of staying away from a lot of companies. And I wonder if you think that we may see something similar. I know it's very early in the start of this bull run, but do you think the gold industry has learned any lessons from the last crisis? Oh, I, I think the industry has. Again, a couple of differences, principal and significant differences now versus 
10 plus years ago is we don't have the cost inflation for our inputs to the industry like we had 10 to 12 years ago where we had 20, 30% increases mid-year on our significant inputs. I haven't seen that uh, except for that one period in my 30 plus years in the industry. And I also think if you look at the reserve base, which drives the mine plans, they've been all done very conservatively at 1200 between 12 and $1,300 per ounce for the industry. So those are very solid reserve bases on which uh, companies are driving their strategic plans and their mine plans. What we had last time, 10 to 12 years ago, is companies taking their reserve price assumptions from sub uh, 400 to 1,000 in a short period of time. So I I would expect that uh, companies are going to be measured in uh, how they calculate reserves and are not going to allow mine plans to be diluted because poor quality rock gets introduced into those plans just because the gold price has got higher has gotten higher. So I think those factors will make it different so that companies will be focused more in return and free cash flow generation uh, than they were last time. A little more conservative maybe this time around. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I always think is kind of cool about the gold industry, a lot of gold deposit these days is found almost at microscopic concentrations, but we've developed technology to to pull it out of the earth. We've developed really incredible engineering. I always think it's kind of interesting how gold goes from one dark place being in the earth, processed into these gold bars and shipped, and it often gets stored into a vault. For the large part, gold is not a currency that people are really using. I'm wondering if you think all this uncertainty changes dramatically or anything that's happening in the world is going to really change the way gold is used. Obviously, its value is changing, but do you think we'll see its use change in any way? Yeah, I think gold's had the same characteristics for you know thousands of years. Uh-huh. And it's one of those few things where it's no, there's no liability on the other side, um, unlike paper currency. So it's got this uniqueness as a form of uh, money and a store of value. And people have been calling the end of gold for decades now. And, and here we are. And it's an extremely liquid market. And if you look at the size of the market, the liquidity in the market, it's clearly an important part of the financial system. It's highly unlikely that goes away given the attributes of gold. And, and particularly now when governments are finding that they're wanting and being forced to print massive amounts of paper currency, uh, you can't just do that without implications. And the implications generally are inflation could have a, a currency war, which is generally good for gold. So I think, you know, gold, this is when it, it tends to do extremely well. And if you go back to 2000, it's actually outperformed. 90s, 2000, it's outperformed the S&P 500. It's actually done exactly what it's supposed to do, but it's done it very quietly and it's done it very effectively. And so you don't, you know, those types of investments just don't disappear overnight. So uh, I think it's, it's um, in for a fairly good run here. And the gold mining companies are positioned, as we've said over the last few months, to not only have some of their best historical performances from a return perspective, but also uh, given the huge negative impact that the pandemic has had on the economy, the gold mining industry is set to have some of its strongest and best relative return performances in decades. 
It's an exciting time and a strange time because we have this health pandemic in the middle of all this, which makes this financial crisis, I guess, a little more complex. Uh, Agnico Eagle produces more gold in Canada than anyone else. You guys employ about 6,000 people here, including a lot of people at mines in Nunavut. Uh, but we're in the middle of a pandemic, and those communities don't have the same healthcare systems that exist in the provinces. So in March, your company decided its workers who live in Nunavut would leave the mines, go home, and, and you'd still pay them. Walk me through this and the decision to keep the mines operating with a different set of workers? Sure. Uh, I think um, uh, first and foremost, the objective as the pandemic took hold was the health and safety of our employees. And that was step number one. But the mining industry is fortunate because it lends itself to being able to manage through uh, a pandemic like this because normally the operations are isolated from large population centers. We tend in our operations to have normal physical distancing, which allows us to limit interaction. So we started off from a strong position. But as you mentioned, in Nunavut, we've got communities there that are at high risk, given that there is a lack of high-quality medical facilities there, but also the population has a history of lung disease. So we had to be extra careful. So it was decided early on in conjunction and discussions over a week or so with the communities and the government of Nunavut to isolate the mines from the communities, which meant sending our Inuit workforce home. And we did that. And fortunately, none of it, I believe there's only one case of COVID-19 in none of it, and that's not anywhere near our mines. It's in Baffin Island. And so I think uh, collectively, everybody's done a good job, whether it's business, communities, political leadership, in making sure that none of it stays uh, safe from the virus. Has the pandemic affected your relationship with the local communities in Nunavut or other areas where you operate? Well, I think we've done an exceptional job. It's really our people on the ground have done an exceptional job, not just having a plan to protect employees in the communities, but to also add that sort of human touch um, with the communities and reaching out and helping where the need was greatest. So we've helped out food banks supplying food uh, directly to over 450 families in Nunavut through a food hamper program. Uh, we've also uh, funded the lo- two local radio stations. Them and business provided uh, PPE in the communities. In Mexico, we've actually provided uh, medical professionals uh, to those. So we've just found this as a way that we could actually do more and step up, take a leadership role on the social side because we're in a better position than a lot of the communities to actually get a lot of things done. So, you know, that was really part of the objectives when we looked at this. And early on, I think the uncertainty of the pandemic, whether it was the uncertainty from our perspective with with regard to the business or whether it was the communities and their nervousness around the virus, we really had to keep the lines of communications open. So, you know, there was some question in none of it on keeping the mine open because we're bringing people from the south up. But as we explained how we were going to do it, the communities got more comfortable. One of the things we employed early, and I give our people a whole bunch of credit for this, is we started to use testing in early April, essentially testing every employee that came to none of it. And it was the use of testing that really gave us that extra layer of comfort, not only within the company, but outside the company and the communities. Uh, well, let, let me ask you a question about that. I mean, you just 
listed some of the things you guys have done, including, you know, investing in food banks, introducing medical personnel and testing to these communities around your mines. There have also been reports in the media about resource companies, at least one, I think it was, it was a resource company where there was an infection that spread from a mine to a remote indigenous community. I don't need to ask you about the details of that, but there've been other incidents. I think human rights violations have been an accusation that's kind of trailed the industry. I mean, do you think this affects how people think about mining in Canada? Yeah, because bad news tends to make headlines and good news, you know, tends not even to get into the newspaper. And so that's why we've uh, made a conscious effort to sort of tell people, you know, this is the, the real story. This is the true story. Um, you know, there are issues with every industry. But I think if you look at ESG in general, in general, I think mining companies do an exceptional job on the environmental side. There are companies that have issues. But for the most part, I think we're using the best technology with the best people trying to minimize our footprint. On the governance side for ESG, I think the high quality, large uh, public mining companies also do extremely well in governance. But I think where mining companies shine better than other industries is on the social side, but we don't really get the credit because we don't talk too much about it. And I think that's what we've said is the mining industry needs to do a better job on articulating you know, the type of jobs we're providing, type of tax dollars we're paying, the type of community support we're bringing to the table every day. And as you said at the start, uh, we're 6,000 plus employees in Canada that work for a company that's been in operation for six decades. And, you know, they go to work every day trying to make a contribution for the company, but they're also heavily involved in their communities because mining in some instances is the biggest part of those communities from an economic benefit standpoint. And that's the real story. You're always going to get things that happen, but it's how you deal with them and uh, how you respond and how you fix it and how you own up to it and how transparent um, you are. But I wonder when you look back over the past year, when you look at the dam failures in Brazil or the dam failures before that in British Columbia, and I'm wondering if it's not, if people aren't right to sort of push back a little or or question. No one's saying that uh, people aren't able or should question operating methods or public companies were transparent, but I think it's how you respond. So we had the issue in Brazil, devastating, uh, horrific. Institutional investors started to pull together and wanted more information on companies in the the industry that they were invested in. So the Church of England sent out a six-page letter to the industry, detailed questions on tailings management. And if you go to the Church of England and ask them, Technique Legal is one of the first people to respond to that letter with a fulsome description of each of our tailing sites and how we're managing them and the risk levels around them. So for every big issue, you can find many companies that are actually doing things right, but nobody picks up on it. That's already saying. And But you can, if you want to pick, you can pick at every industry. And I think the industry in general responds uh, positively and constructively to uh, criticism. Sure. And I think that will continue. This is changing the subject a little, but, you know, on the issue of government investment in sort of resource development, what were some of the things that you were thinking could be done to, I mean, you were talking about road building, electricity, things like that. Well, the the opportunity there is really around providing infrastructure. And one of the biggest challenges there is uh, energy and the fact that everything's powered by burning diesel in generators. 
So we've been in discussions with the government on alternatives to that, cleaner alternatives, cheaper alternatives like wind power. Ultimately, we've talked about potentially having the power line run from northern Manitoba up into Nunavut. So uh, energy certainly would be important. Uh, Transportation, also important. Not just roads, but ports, upgrading ports. But also training is important. Train the workforce so that they're prepared to take on these more skilled jobs, uh, which not only will result in you know more compensation, but also uh, more rewarding careers. And that's what we're really trying to do there is to bring the local Inuit young person into a career in mining so they can live at home and raise a family and have a rewarding career. That's fair. In terms of the industry, I mean, you mentioned you think gold's going up more. Do you think we're poised to see an expansion of Canada's gold mining industry or merger, consolidation? Any predictions in terms of trends? This will be, in our view, given our long history in the business, that these periods do not come along very often. They can be, it can take decades to get to this type or this point in the cycle. And I think we're at that point now where the companies will be generating enormous amounts of cash. The industry will likely have its best uh, historical sort of returns. And it'll also have some of its strongest relative return against other industries, given that a lot of industries have been severely damaged uh, by the pandemic. Uh, and the gold industry and mining industry generally has not. So um, it's a good time. But as we say to our employees, it's not party time. It's a time to actually be disciplined, to focus on execution, uh, to focus on, um, in our case, continuing to grow the output, which we can do with our project pipeline, but do it in a way where we're still generate, generating significant free cash flow. And I think that's what governments are starting to see as well, is that the industries are in a position to be very profitable, which means they're going to be paying taxes. And given how damaged the economy is, you've got to support industries that are doing well. Sean, this is a great pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, great to chat and uh, maybe we can do it again sometime. That was Sean Boyd, CEO of Agnico Eagle Mines Limited. Thank you so much for listening to Down to Business and as always, thank you to our team. Music and production by Bryce Hall, editing by Yadula Hussein, and web support by Pamela Heaven. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and rate us on your podcast app. I'm Gabe Friedman, and Down to Business plans to take a summer hiatus returning August 26th. In the meantime, you can get all your business news at financialpost.com.